So DLF has asked the DLF podcast to do a live read. I don't I don't do this. <laughs> I don't sell advertising space. I don't try and sell anything. But DLF is my home. It is my family. So I'm going to do them a solid here. Instead of putting the uh, other podcasts from DLF ad up at the top of uh, Dynasty Crossroads, uh, I'm just going to do this here live read. Um, again, not getting paid to do it. I just think DLF's awesome. they got an awesome thing going on. And they asked, and I agree with it, so why not? Uh, let me see here. i got to pull it up. You can tell I'm real professional about this. All right, uh, so DLF would like you to know that if you are... God, can't do this properly, can I? Tired of the same old Dynasty format? Think you have what it takes to be a real champion? DLF has partnered with Safe Leagues and Commish Extraordinaire Scott Fish... Hey, Scott. ...to create a brand new DLF Champions Cup Series. That's DLF Champions Cup Series, just in case I stumbled that. In the DLF Champions Cup Series, you're matched up in a Superflex tight end premium with points and payouts awarded each year. Nice. The bonus is that every third year, you, your cumulative points go up against a larger field to see who wins the Champions Cup. That's a neat idea. Claim a team today and begin your journey to hoist the Champions Cup and claim $1,000. Wow, cool. Uh, that's the grand prize. Come prove it, I guess, is what they're saying. It seems like a pretty cool competition. Uh, DLF's running it along with Scott Fish. Actually seems like a lot of fun. So if you're interested in that, please hit up DLF Scott Fish or the DLF Champions Cup Series. Uh, you can find it on DynastyLeagueFootball.com backslash safe leagues. Thanks very much. Let's, let's do a podcast now or something. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. Welcome back. Football's getting closer and closer. Lots to break down, draft decisions to be made, trade decisions to be made. So I had on my friend Ray GQ over from the DDP podcast. He's a host of the Devi podcast. That's uh, also a DLF podcast, actually. You should definitely check out to learn about college players before they become NFL players, which is definitely something I can't do. Um, Ray's a lot of fun to talk to. Always have a great time talking to him. Didn't have to split this episode into four parts, as they did the first time we spoke, but... Uh, it is probably going to be a two-parter. Uh, in this first part of this week's episode, we're going to talk about the Carolina Panthers offense, Christian McCaffrey, and the backup running backs behind him. Next week, I'm going to release uh, the episode where we were talking about 0RB this year, yay or nay, uh, and also running backs and how we try and target them this time of offseason, who we're looking for, who we're looking to add, and how to kind of assess their value. Um, anyway, I really hope you enjoy the episode. I really enjoyed talking to Ray, as I always do. And I think you are going to enjoy it too. Thanks very much. Hit me up on Twitter, at PA Howdy, and Ray, at RayGQ, because uh, he deserves some of the hate too, uh, to let us know if you liked or didn't like this episode. Appreciate it. Do you want to just start off with, uh, do you want to tell us what you think about this? Do you yeah. think Teddy Broderick is the quarterback? Do you think he's going to be great, bad? Where, where, <laughs> where are you at, man? Well, I've I've talked about this quite a bit because, you know, my sort of area 
uh, is the college football world. That's what I really enjoy. I, I, I love the college game. So I, I feel like it, it's crazy because I'm not talking about their new head coach, Matt Rule, that came from college. I'm, I'm focused on their offensive coordinator, Joe Brady. And I, I know it's been stated a hundred thousand times right now by now, but Joe Brady is bringing his talent from LSU, which saw him literally have the most efficient and productive offensive college football season in the history of the game. Like since college football started back in the 1400s, no offenses did what Joe Brady's offense was able to do. I mean, it had a quarterback, Peter, throw for 60 touchdowns. They had two wide receivers go for over 1,500 yards. One of them, the the second leading receiver, had 18 touchdowns, and the leading receiver had 20 touchdowns. And then they had a running back with over 1,400 yards and 55 receptions. So, and then we're we're not even talking about the number three wide receiver and the tight end who all had over 600 receiving yards. So when you've got that sort of offensive mind. And I know you grind the tape a lot. I know you spend a lot of your time watching film, but the, the, so, so you'd know the offensive creativity, the formations, he, he would put Jamar chase in at running back and then motion him out. And he's got Edwards. He like his offensive creativity to bring, if he's going to bring that to the Carolina Panthers, then yeah, Teddy Bridgewater should smash. I mean, Nobody thought much of Joe Burrow coming into 2019 and he turned him into the number one overall pick. And some say the best quarterback prospect or at least best college quarterback ever, at least in that season. I mean, he was, it's not even a question. No, no other college quarterback did what Joe Burrow did. But when you look at the Carolina Panthers, it, it's, it's hard to fade Bridgewater yet be, so enthusiastic about every single other piece of that offense. If uh, listen, I don't even know who the backup quarterback is right now. I'm I'm trying to think of who the hell their backup is. Uh, the, not Will Greer. It it can't be Will Greer. Uh, but if 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 CMC is going to go for a thousand and DJ Moore is going to go for fifteen hundred and Curtis Samuel is going to do damage and Ian Thomas is going to be this breakout tight end and Robbie Anderson is going to have a role. Teddy Bridgewater, we, we've got to be, why are we not talking more about Teddy Bridgewater? And like we talked about before we started, Peter, the Panthers defense is horrible. It's it's bad. And they play in a division. They play the Falcons twice. They play the, the revamped Buccaneers twice. And they play the Saints twice. They're going to have to pass the ball in order to stay competitive. So yeah, Bridgewater's the guy at least for two years because of his contract. So I, it's just I'm I'm very very intrigued by that offense for fantasy this year. All right, so you just throw out a whole bunch of stuff that most of which I know nothing about. By the way, <laughs> if you didn't catch the shade there, I don't grind the tape at all, and I know nothing about college formations. Uh, to guess, I guess to start off from where you started off, like I don't know, coaching doesn't matter in the sense that we can't. Good coaches adjust for the players on their teams. That's the quintessential definition of a good coach. They adjust for the talent that they have, not the talent they want. A large majority of coaches in the NFL adjust for the talent that they want. They try and force players into a system that they transfer from one team to another. 
So it's really difficult to get predictive numbers out of like coaching trends or coaching positional sh target share or anything like that. It all goes to part of the story, though. You should understand what the team's done. You should understand Joe Brady comes from this background. Um, one thing we know, I think we know, is that if we look at first year for coaches who are actually good or have some sort of scheme, like, like a Joe Brady, we can look at first-year impacts. Like um, the Cardinals are off to a rough start, but they very clearly were operating in a different capacity last year with a brand-new coach from college, right? So we should expect an impact. We should expect it to affect the way the offense looks. Hopefully, he's a good coach, so he adjusts, adjusts the talent on the team, obviously. Um, and we can also expect, like, it takes a second if not a year or two for the NFL to catch up. You've got um, plenty of coaches like McVay came in having a lot more success than he had year one than year two. Still obviously a good coach year two, but like the team, I, I honestly think we see this pattern of good coaches or above average coaches at least coming in. And it takes a second for the NFL defenses probably to catch up a little bit. And so they could get a little bit more success with that newness, whether he's, you know, world generational perhaps is a term or not so i think we can be excited about that even you know not knowing anything about what he did in college other than you know obviously the the rookie prospects that came into the draft this year i know a lot about what they did so i know something of the offense you're talking about to pull it to something that i know we can track and how much we can know of it statistically um like dj moore had i think 135 ish targets last year I'd probably have to look that up to verify it, but it was around there. And last year it was a concern. And there is a legitimate concern with, with so much, there's only so much passing volume and with so many talented players, someone might be drowned out. It's like Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham. I, I think it's fair to say they cap each other's ceilings a little bit, but I think sometimes that pushes people to be overly pessimistic. They're still phenomenal at sucking up targets compared to like, the rest of the league and so they're probably still good bets to be good players in the nfl and you know odo beckham more targets with a 26 percent target share in a thousand yard season and that's a bad year after changing teams so i think we saw that play out again last year with them um so to convert that to carolina like christian mccaffrey is obviously like the lead wide receiver was the story last off season and it was perfectly true this year and yet dj moore still got to 135 targets um on average since 2000 wide receivers in the top 12 average around 140 targets so he's still in that range and he wasn't i don't think he was top 24 last year but he was really good he has a slightly inefficient on touchdowns which pushed him down so you don't have to project a lot more volume to get him into the top 12 in fact all you need to do is like expect him to catch touchdowns at a league average rate which given his red zone role i, I think he can definitely do um, and still get there and that's where we're where i'm at with projections he actually jumped into the top uh Five, top eight for me because they're not do only do I expect some of that regression in touchdowns but I do think he can maintain sustain and improve that role a little bit not to the detriment of Christian McCaffrey but like wide receiver six wide receiver seven there's no reason him Thomas has to break out for example even though I do kind of like him as a sleeper tight end and um, to go to quarterback you you worry you're right to worry about it but mostly I follow trackable trends and that all comes from wide receiver like you can have an average quarterback with phenomenal wide receivers or the opposite for that matter a phenomenal quarterback with average wide receivers so they can work independently a little bit 
I'm not expecting a top 12 season from Teddy Bridgewater is what I'm saying, but that's still, that that's not necessary for DJ Moore to finish top 12, Christian McCaffrey to finish top five. If you add too much in there, like I have real doubts that Curtis Samuel's ever going to have a top 24 season in this offense. But to be very clear, he impressed me last year with the amount of volume he was able to suck up himself. So it's not like he's a bad player. It's just someone's going to suffer. Robbie Anderson is pretty much dead to me at this point. I think he, <laughs> I think he's a really good player, above average in the NFL, but now he's going to a significantly above average depth chart. And he was only able to eke out slightly above average volume on a like the worst <laughs> the worst depth chart. So I think he's the one that suffers a lot. But he also has a really valuable skill set. Frankly, outside targets, down the field, tar- they're, they're really valuable. They're really um, valuable to NFL teams. So it's not like he won't have weeks or won't do something in this offense. I just I don't see him sucking up more volume than Curtis Samuel did last season, for example. In fact, I'd imagine he's a smaller part of the offense with better variance. Like he's going to have games where he catches a 100-yard touchdown, and that's going to be better for fantasy than Curtis Samuel. But over the long course of the season, I don't think – I think Christian Curtis Samuel's volume is going to look better. I think they're both going to pale in comparison to DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey. Just realized I've been talking for about 20 years. (laughs) And sure, should probably get off. One thing I – throw it back to you. One thing I did want to say is last podcast, I was talking about how wide receivers in the top 24 are getting significantly less volume over the last four or five years. And it's still true, but something I didn't quite get to or left out. I don't know. You decide if I'm being insincere or keeping this edge to myself. I don't know. But if you go to top 12 wide receivers, the volume drops still there, which is what I said last podcast. But I didn't point out that 2019 was lower than the last four years, not the last seven years. So 2019, we still might expect a little more volume at the wide receiver position um, as a group. So I do, I am expecting some, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to phrase this to a tape guy. Uh, no, oh, I'm gosh. Just, I'm, oh, gosh. <laughs> as much as I do, uh, which is, you know, the fallacy of the debate, but like, Michael Thomas was the only, and Devontae Adams were the only two that provided significant edge week over week, as you as you know. I think we can expect like two, maybe three wide receivers, like we normally have more than that, um, that actually are significantly better than having like the next 10 wide receivers below. That's what wasn't there last year. That's what is, I hope, going to be there in 2019 or 2020. Um, and I think DJ Moore can be one of those guys, and we don't have to reject Teddy Bridgewater to be a, like the best quarterback in the history of forever to get there. But we do have to diminish like Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey, and probably Ian Thomas too. That's that's where I'm at with projections. So, <sighs> so <Thoughts>? let me <laughs> well, well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this because it's you don't have to be a tape grinder, and and I know that what I'm about to say, there is no kind of data that backs this up, but because of everything that's going on with COVID in the pandemic and the absence of, let's just, whether it's minicamp OTAs practice, right? And this potential abbreviated training camp and abbreviated, I, I saw something today about a two game preseason an abbreviated training camp Things are different, right? Like the NFL is encouraging teams to not go to their normal training camp location. So I'm just saying with the right, right. with the the lack of practice time 
and you've got a new offensive coordinator, a new quarterback, a new head coach, and even for the teams who have the old guard and it's not this influx of new players, I just think that whatever projections or not even projections, but our expectations for, I'm just going to say quality football early on, are are we not adjusting for the lack of practice? Because you don't have to be a tape runner to understand. You got to go out there and freaking practice. You know, you got to, you got to practice before you're not just, they're not Teddy Bridgewater is not just going to show up on Sunday and just start dealing passes or, I mean, how much <laughs> I really, I, I've heard about, I, I've heard people talk about, we can actually see an increase in rushing this year, at least early on, because it's, it's a hell of a lot easier to turn around and hand the ball off to the running back and say, all right, you go make a play opposed to getting this timing down with new pieces and new, new offensive schemes. I mean, th- th- these players, man, these teams, because of this is an unprecedented season. Like we may never, I hope we don't see something like this again, where things have just shut down and that like teams haven't been doing anything. We don't know what the hell these guys have been doing for the past three or four months. Uh, I just, I would just say we probably need to be a little flexible at least early on until you know we actually see some kind of football because up to this point, Peter, we've seen nothing since the NFL draft. There's been no kind of on-field football in hell. That wasn't even on-field. I guess the combine was the last on-field football work that we saw. So uh, I'm not sure if you, if I don't know when they said that they're going to have a training camp or when practices are going to start, but I just, uh, I'm a little concerned about a lot of pass catchers, at least early on, because it's a lot harder to get timing with the wide receiver than it is to turn around and hand the ball off to a running back. It's a really good point. I've heard the same thing. Again, it's like the Carolina Panthers offense. We were talking about it, and then I think we got swept up in the draft, and we've forgotten some of these questions still exist. And I think that's a really logical argument, but too many things sound true that prove not to be true when we can test them. So I'm more suspicious of something that sounds true, but I can't see an example of, you know? Yeah, that's fair. Lots of examples of. So, yeah, maybe you rush more, but the only example, anything like this, like players not being able to practice, essentially, is what we're talking about. And it makes sense to me that rushing goes up. But the only one that's been pointed out to me is Jacob Rickrode pointed out the 2000, was it 2011 lockout? Mm -hmm. You would know, you know, you've been following football a lot longer than me and actually watching them. So, um, like, players weren't able to practice then as well, right? Um, Now, looking at 2011... It, obviously not the same situation, and you would need multiple examples, but just to throw like something that we know. And the volume that year was actually down compared to the year before and the year after. But in 2011, we had a pretty good wide receiver year, right? I'd have to go look it up because I don't know these things off the top of my head, believe it or not. But if we go to 2011, we have... Um, Wes Welker led the league in receptions. Wes Welker led Louis, but you also have like Calvin Johnson going Calvin off Johnson, 319 yep. points. Riley yep. White, Victor Cruz, Greg Jennings uh, was a uh, top 12 wide receiver. Steve Smith, Larry Fitzgerald, Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget Gronk. Um, now, again, these guys were getting less volume. Perhaps you could say that as um, like uh, comparison to what's going on now, and therefore you could expect less volume. But 
to compare it to what, again, what, we're, what I was talking about last week and just a second ago, like there was still four or five wide receivers there who provided an edge over the five or six below them. Like th that wasn't last year. That That's the opposite of what happened last year. So it's not like even on a lower volume year, with that making sense with our one example, we still saw great wide receiver seasons that, that year. So yes, it makes sense. And in the one example, we kind of see it. But like, if you faded the wide receiver because of that, you would miss out on Calvin Johnson's 2011. I mean, that, and that was a really good season and so on and so forth. And if I remember right, the we had some good rookies come in around the same time. That's why it was really interesting. Like 10, 11, and 12 were really good wide receiver classes, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, was this was this A.J. Green's rookie season? It's around there, yeah. And I think... Um, I think Von Miller. Yeah, Von Miller was rookie of the year. That was AJ Green's rookie season. They came in together. Julio yeah. Jones as well, right? Yep. <laughs> so, and that was a pretty good rookie season with like 179 PPR points. That I mean, that was a stacked draft class. And so if we're gonna compare it to right now, obviously it's tenuous because none of these guys are Julio Jones or even AJ Green, but like we do think there were good wide receivers that ended the class last year entered the NFL, and we think this is a good wide receiver year too. And if they are, then you can still Julio and AJ Green, maybe a little less because those guys are perennial generational talents. Right. But like, I, I see what you're saying, and I completely agree. It makes sense. But at the same time, if we look at that one example, you've still got Julio Jones' rookie season, which was amazing. AJ Green's rookie season, which was amazing. You've got Calvin Johnson having a great year like he always basically did. <laughs> so, yeah. like perfectly true but that still doesn't mean that wide receivers won't be good you know oh yeah yeah um, fair 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 but it's one example so even as like a nerdy stats guy i'm like eh, but it could just be all rushing you're right but like well, i was going to ask about your your projections right so how much and and I, i'm asking this because i truly don't know but how much do you take in to consideration defensive efficiency of the teams that those players will be facing. Like when you think about the Panthers, right. And we talk about the NFC South in the division that they're in playing against these offenses that are, I mean, uh, we know new Orleans is a good efficient offense. We know that the Atlanta Falcons score points. And we assume that with Tom Brady, yeah, I mean, hell, even with Jameis Winston, they were a high volume. They like to throw the ball around. We know right. that Carolina's defense is not good. So when you're making these projections, how much do you look at defensive efficiency when you're accounting for what these players may or may not do for the upcoming season? It's a really good question. <laughs> Sorry. It's a really good question. And I'm not going to say this is the best way or the only way, because it's definitely not in either case, probably. But I don't. I do have a strength of schedule. Um, I recently adapted it to something that Scott Barrett put out um, over at fantasypoints.com, I think it was, where you look at the average PPR points per position above and below that team's average versus each defense. And anyway, it generates um, like an adjusted over-under for each position on how many fantasy points you can expect while facing that schedule. It's there. I look at it. We're aware of it, but it doesn't actually go into the projections itself. And the reason I don't is because we're we're actually pretty bad. It's not that we're pretty bad. It's that defense has changed so much. Yeah. It's like the Jaguars, legitimately, all-world defense, 
all the way back down to none. And they didn't actually lose too many players when they fell. I mean, since they've bled out the talent. And the players didn't get less talented. Um, It's like offensive lines a little bit. It's not that I... I'm not going to say the defenses or the offenses are going to be better or worse, but what I do know is that when we think a defense is strong, it's no more than a 50-50% bet whether they're going to be that strong again the next season. Now, at the extremes, like the best, like Jaguars defense probably should have been a little bit better than it was the next year. Right. And Denver's defense showed a slow decline, not a sudden decline like that. Seattle, so it's not like Seattle was another one of those defenses. For, yeah. for years, right? Yeah. So it's not like, like you weigh it in and, and you should know that. But at the same time, when you're looking at a whole schedule, by the time you get to week five, basically all of those strengths of schedule things adjust. Because the information from next season is is really what we need to judge how good these defenses are. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. So okay. it doesn't factor into the projections, but I get why you'd want to consider it, if you know what I mean. <laughs> well, what's what's interesting about Carolina, Peter, is they had, uh, you know, seven rounds of, of picks, right? First round, two seconds, uh, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. They drafted all defense. No <laughs> – no offensive players. <laughs> there you go. Like they, they didn't even, they did not an offensive lineman, not a fullback, not a tight end, nothing, just pure defense. So uh, to be fair, they have a really young, really awesome skill positions <laughs> base. So they probably can afford to, yeah, they, they don't need much at least, you know, at, at least that's what we, that's what we believe right now that that offense is going to improve and CMC is going to do his thing. And DJ Moore is going to go off and, you know, you, you said you mentioned Ian Thomas's name real quick. It's just I think it's it's going to be and like you said, you made a good point. This offense may be freaking awesome this year, right? Sean McVay did it. You know, he came in and turned golf into I mean he got him to the Super Bowl. Um, right. Yeah, but long term, I guess it, it that's what's a little more difficult to predict. It just in the fantasy landscape right now, it's just buy all the Panthers. And I know I've been party to saying guilty of saying that myself, get any and all pieces of this Carolina offense. You want everybody, you want CMC's backup, you want Robbie, you want Curtis, you want DJ, like get them all because Joe Brady is going to make stars out of these guys. But uh, it's just one of those storylines, one of the narratives uh, that I'm very, very much interested to see how this transitions in the NFL. Tell you what, something I'm interested in because I've asked—I don't know who to ask the question to. Because do you, you know who um, late round QB JJ Zacharyson is? Obviously, yeah. Do you listen to his podcast a lot, or have you listened uh, to the last one? It's it's okay. very easy to listen to because they're not very long. So yeah, I check them out. Uh, they're awesome. He's king nerd, so I listen to all of them as well. <laughs> obviously, um, no, I only ask because we've got so many podcasts to listen to. You might not have gotten to it yet. <laughs> a lot of pods, man. There's a lot of pods. Um, he was like going through his breakout running back uh, article that they released on Number Fire. It's really good. It's really interesting stuff. One of the things he's found consistently, he did the same thing last year and this year, is like I, I was thinking when you said the backup running back to Christian McCaffrey, and that made so much sense to me this last year and this year that I've got Reggie Bonafide and Jordan Scarlett, I think is the other one, yep. uh, on a number of different teams just because like there's literally no one else, and Christian McCaffrey is like 85% of the running back position. <laughs> So, like, okay, that's part of why he's awesome and why he's valuable and everything else. But, like, just because he's a great receiver doesn't mean he's 
can't get injured, unfortunately. And I know I, I take it back straight away. I'll knock on wood. He's not going to get injured. <laughs> Fantasy does not want that. No. But one of the things that JJ's pointed out two years in a row now is that breakout, no matter how you want to define it, running backs that suddenly accrue value and can be league winners by the end of the season, they don't come from where we think, like the Reggie Bonafides and Jordan Scarlett's. They're normally contested situations. That's a rule that really stuck out in my head when I was listening to the podcast. Like, this is not a contested situation. It's Christian McCaffrey and these guys sitting on the bench if he gets tired. There's yep. no competition there. Yep. So according to like that article, like that makes me think that these aren't good holds, but I don't I've never literally never seen them touch a ball. Um I didn't know if you had some like either of them particularly good because they can test it all to get like 10% of the work. <laughs> or like you, what were you doing with them? You you would think, and this is just it seems like the smart thing would be for Carolina to find somebody to relieve McCaffrey from time to time, just to keep they they just invested a lot of money in him, made him the highest paid running back in NFL history. So in order to protect that investment, and I know fantasy gamers don't want to hear this, while we love him getting 85, 90% of the workload, I mean, is that and I know my, my friend Matt Kelly talks about it quite a bit that he's like the least injury prone running back in the NFL because he takes care of his body, but he's still a five foot 10, 200 pound running back or 205 or 210, whatever he is. And would, would Reggie Bonifant actually be something if Christian McCaffrey got hurt? Look, last year, I think he got in one game because Christian McCaffrey had cramps after he ran for like 150 <laughs> yeah. yards. And he That's was literally like, the only reason that like, he was cramped up. <laughs> it was the end of the season. I got cramps, damn it. I've been carrying this team <laughs> to this five win season all, all year. <laughs> I got cramps come right. in. And like, he was good. Like, was, let me not say that. He performed okay. very well in that opportunity. I'm not going to say he was good. I mean, who at that point, the NFL players were like, I'm ready to go to Cancun. Let's get out of here. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I really thought they would draft a guy. I, I was really thinking they were going to find, even if it was a player like a, a complimentary player, like a Zach Moss, like somebody that could literally spell him, like, hey, you're not going to go in this series, get some Gatorade, rest up. We'll, we'll get you back to close us out. But they didn't do that, which, which leads me to believe that we're in for another monster workload type season for Christian McCaffrey. And while these players could take care of their bodies as good as they want, man, that's, it's like, it, it, I equate that to, when we get in the car, like we're, we're talking about how safe of a driver we are, right? Like right. some things are out of our, are with, out of our control, man. Like he can't, he can't control how his knee is twisted at the bottom of a pile. You know, it doesn't matter that's how much he takes care of his body. I always just, I, I want protection, man. I'd rather, I'm the type of player, I'm the type of, of fantasy gamer, I'm the type of person that likes to plan for the worst and hope that that doesn't come to fruition. But if it does, at least I'm protected, right? That's why we have car insurance. That's why we <laughs> draft the handcuffs when you've got a Christian McCaffrey or an Ezekiel Elliott or a Dalvin Cook. So uh, I'm with you, man. I own a lot of Christian of CMC's backup, just just in case I, I want to have that player who has an opportunity to get an opportunity in that offense. 
Yeah, and there's Mike Davis as well. Apparently, I've got him listed on that dead chart. I just, I think there might be dead roster spots. Like, every year, some smartass in your league says, ah, I've got this guy's backup. And it's really interesting that JJ's research showed up that actually those guys, that no. <laughs> you don't want those yeah. guys. That, uh, so I'm worried my bonafide and Scarlet shares are just dead roster space. And it's really, honestly, made me think about it. And um, speaking of Patreon, that's where all your videos are now, right? We have to come give you money to get the good Ray Ray opinion. I mean, you still get a bunch of free stuff, but goddamn, you can give me three bucks a month. I mean, good grief, y'all. Patreon.com forward slash all gas. All gas. A, let me spell it out. A-L-L-G-A-S. You can give me a dollar a month. I, I, it's It's one of these things where I struggled with it, Peter, because... Like, I know exactly I, what you mean. Man. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't. I, when I started doing this, I didn't have any kind of plan to to do anything, man. Like I just wanted to talk football and engage with some other nerds and film grinders and just have fun with this, right? But when you actually and you better than almost anybody, the amount of time that we spend. I mean, we're recording this now is one a.m. Right? The amount of time that we spend <laughs> right. on producing material, rankings, projections, film breakdowns, like it it's it's time, man. And our time, I would hope it's not about making let me let me assure you something right now. You giving me $3 per month <laughs> for 12 months is not going to rock my world or your world, right? But it it is some value on what we do and it's more so appreciation like if, if, if Peter has helped you, if I've helped you, if Ryan McDowell or Matt Kelly or JJ Zacker, if, if some of these people have helped you, like, why not pay for a service, man? That's the world we live in. Like, it's, and no one's asking you to, I'm not asking you to subscribe to this thing for 50 bucks a month, $100 a year. It's just, if, if I've helped you and you feel like the content that I provided is actionable and entertaining, then become a patron and you get to engage with me a little bit more. Uh, I'll answer any doggone question that you have. So yes, that's what I'm doing right now. And I hope people would, would respect that and appreciate it. And if you don't want to do it, that's cool. But yeah, that's, that's where, if you want my advice, if you want my opinions, my, my time is valuable and I hope that people would understand that. So patreon.com forward slash all gas, that's where it's at. And I still have a bunch of free content on YouTube if you find that, you know, unreasonable, still check me out on YouTube. Yeah, it's really difficult to resolve that because I'm not here for money. Right. <laughs> like, I like talking about football. I want to help and be valuable in the community. Like, none of that has anything to do. And frankly, I still play fantasy football for free a lot because it's a fun hobby. It's not an investment for me. So it's hard to square those two things. So... But it is really encouraging. It's like Twitter followers, man. It's not like you get value from it. It's not like it means much, but it's really encouraging to know people are enjoying it. People find value in it. And if you can, yeah, show that. If not, that's cool. I just yeah. want to talk to you about football. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Let's take yeah, some it's... time off from the real world and have some fun playing fantasy football. There's no... So uh, appreciate you, Ray. Um, really do. Um, thanks for coming on again, making some podcast magic. Like I always actually get <laughs> downloads when you come on the show, so I really appreciate it. <laughs> um, oh, and uh, yeah, man, uh, I, I look forward to checking you out on Patreon. I didn't know you'd gone over there, so I'll just check that out. Thanks for having me, Peter.
No problem. Um, you can find Ray at Ray GQ still on Twitter, I guess. You haven't changed it to like Golf Pro Senior 2. No, no, still Ray GQ. <laughs> only if, on, only if uh, CD Lamb is not wide receiver one. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, all right, guys. Uh, thanks very much, and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that eye, eye like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.